spontaneously. Amilita, slightly open. Lochan, of eyes. Yugala, pear. Kutmala, from the flower-like. Vigalita, emanating. Amala, uncontaminated. Baspakalaya, with tears. Abhivya jamana, being manifested. Roma puluka kuluka, whose symptoms of ecstasy on the body. Adunapi, even now. Parama Adarena, with great reverence. Sirasha, by the head. Bibarti, he bears. Translation. Dhruva Maharaj, the famous son of Maharaj Uttanapad, is known as the most exalted devotee of the Supreme Lord because of his firm determination in executing devotional service. Knowing that the sacred Ganges water washed the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu, Dhruva Maharaj, situated on his own planet to this very day, accepts that water on his head with great devotion. Because he constantly thinks of Krishna very devoutly, within the core of his heart he is overcome with ecstatic anxiety. Tears flow from his half-open eyes and eruptions appear on his entire body. Purport. When a person is firmly fixed in devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he is described as Virafrata, fully determined. Such a devotee increases his ecstasy in devotional service more and more. Thus, does does as soon as he remembers Lord Vishnu, his eyes fill with tears. This is a symptom of a Mahabhagavat. Dhruva Maharaj maintained himself in that devotional ecstasy, and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also gave us a practical example of transcendental ecstasy when he lived at Jagannath Puri. His pastimes there are fully, renate, fully narrated in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Om Ajnanatimarandasya Gyananana Salakya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanamana Bistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Svaparantikam Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabho Nichananda Siyadvaita Gerada Sivasadi Gora Bhaktivin Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So SB 517.2. So Dhruva Maharaj is mentioned here 
because Dhruva Maharaj was granted residence on the topmost planet in the universe, on the, uh, on the pole star known as Dhruva Loka. So that is the place where the Ganges goes first. Um, therefore, yesterday we heard that Lord Vamanadev, he um, stretched his legs and cracked with his toe the shell of the universe. And then some water from the causal ocean entered and washed the lotus feet of the Lord as well. So not only was the water from the causal ocean, but it had also washed the lotus feet of the Lord. Lord Vamanadev is a Leela avatar who appeared as the son of the, in the heavenly planets of Kasyapa and Aditi. When Vamanadev then was, uh, appeared as a dwarf, he was very small, but beautiful, uh, not like these dwarfs that are very broad and very short. No, Vamana was extremely beautiful, and Vamana was a, a simple brahmachari. He was dressed in deer skin. He was uh, having a straw belt, and uh, he had a parasol, and he had these, uh, these wooden peg shoes, and uh, in this way, Vamana, he had a water pot. So Vamana was very beautiful. So this, so Bali Maharaj, who was the, uh, the king of the demons, Bali Maharaj had performed uh, a great sacrifice. And at the same time, Indra, the god of the heavenly regions, he had committed an offense. And as a reaction to that offense, um, when the demons came and attacked the heavenly regions, they could not resist. They didn't have the power to resist because the heavenly regions are governed by piety. So because Indra had piety, Therefore, Indra was the ruler of the heavenly regions. But when Indra committed an offense, then Indra lost his piety. And as a result, he also lost control over the heavenly regions. Bali Maharaj, on the other hand, had performed a great sacrifice. And therefore, he was now on the strength of piety, conquering the heavenly regions. Bali Maharaj then sat on the throne of Indra, the throne that ruled the three worlds, that means all the planetary systems within the universe. And, uh, and Bali Maharaj then, uh, in, its, in, its, in itself, Bali Maharaj was a pious soul, although he had taken birth in a family of daiches, of demoniac personalities. And Bali in itself, uh, was, however, not fully knowledgeable. Right? So, although he had a pious inclination, he didn't have full knowledge of all, uh, all Vedic knowledge. However, then uh, Vamanadev, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, appearing in a Leela avatar, in a pastime incarnation, 
Lila means pastime or play. So the Lord in a playful way comes in this material world. Why does he do that, right? To capture the minds of all the living beings and he plays like this. So he comes in the form of a, of a very beautiful boy, a little short, very small, and, uh, but very beautiful. This boy then comes before Bali Maharaj as the king, as a brahmachari. Brahmacharis traditionally live of charity. So he came to beg some charity. And as he is begging, he asks for three steps of land. The king says, my dear brahmachari, why are you asking only for three steps of land? I could give you a whole planet. He says, no, no, no. I am a brahmachari. I am, I am renounced. What do I need? I only need three steps of land to lie down. So the king granted him his three steps of land. But then, as he was about to take his steps, he started growing and growing in size. And he became so enormous that in two steps he covered the entire universe. And his toe also cracked the shell of the universe. And then this water came in, and that's the Ganga. So, um, so it was quite shocking that he became so big, very unexpected. And, uh, and then he said, so where will I put my third step? And, uh, and Bali Maharaj, who was surrendered at that stage, and said, whatever he takes, three steps, if by two steps he takes the whole universe, take it. But Vamana said, so where will, you offered me three steps, but in two steps I took all you had. Where will I put my third step? Pali Maharaj said, put it on my head uh, as a sign of his surrender. But, but uh, Vamana was not satisfied and he uh, tied up Bali. Now, Bali had been warned before taking his steps by Sukracharya, who said, watch out, this is not an ordinary boy, this is Vishnu, he will take all you have. But if he's Vishnu, I must give him what he's asking. So there, and in, there was the beginning of Bali's surrender. Then Bali gave the whole universe, and then what Vamana did, he said, well, you promised me three steps, of land and you didn't give, therefore I will arrest you. And he arranged that there was a huge serpent which uh, he used to tie up the king. Uh, you know, he used to tie up Bali Maharaj and Bali Maharaj was in the, in the coils of this serpent being strangled. So he could hardly breathe and he was hanging, choking, sort of half choking, in the coils of this snake. So uh, this is what he got for giving everything. He had the whole universe and he offered all that. And what did he get? He got tied up and he was hanging there in the coils of a huge snake. So a lot of people would have sort of changed their mind, would have in that condition thought, I surrendered. I surrendered and now you know, and now he does this to me <clears throat> and get angry. But Bali Maharaj did not get angry. He just accepted it. 
and he just remained humble. And Vamana kept him there for quite some time. And externally, in the end, he would not release him until his mother came. When his mother personally came and said, come on, let him go, then he let him go. Um, and, uh, but Bali Maharaj then got a great reward because he was given a planet just below Earth, uh, which, is, uh, which has greater opulence than the abode of Indra. So although he lost, uh, in one sense, he gave him that abode and, uh, and there Bali Maharaj lived like a great devotee of the Lord. And not only that, Vamanadev himself, he became the guard of the palace of Bali Maharaj. So he also got the personal association of the Lord. So he did get the mercy in the end, but he was tested before he got it. So that is uh, significant. Mm. So um, leaving that part aside, although uh, it is significant, um, we are now following the Ganga, which comes down in the universe and then comes to the first planet, Dhruva Loka. And we see here Dhruva. Uh, and Dhruva is also a great personality. Um, Dhruva then, as a, as a child uh, in Vrindavan, there is a beautiful place, very nice. It is called Dhruva Tila. It is in Madhuvan, and Madhuvan is, a, is the sweet forest. And it is indeed the sweet forest. It is very beautiful. And, uh, and there on Dhruva Tila, Tila, the hill is a temple. And that temple is dedicated to Dhruva Maharaj. And there on the central altar, there is a deity of Dhruva and Narada Muni. Uh, the story goes that Dhruva was a Kshatriya, and Kshatriyas are warriors, and they have a sense of honor, and they will not, uh, they will not be insulted. So he was Dhruva, five years old, and his father had two queens, and Dhruva was the son of the elder queen. Then one day the son of the younger one was seated on the father's lap. Then Dhruva also wanted to sit on there. But the younger queen said, no, no, you cannot sit on the lap of your father because you have not taken birth of my womb. And his stepbrother was pushing him down also. So both mother and son were like... Uh, down. So he was angry with both of them. Then he was so angry, so insulted, so angry, he couldn't tolerate it. And he wanted a solution. So he went to his mother and he said, and his mother said, there's nothing I can do because I'm not the favorite of the king. That mother says, at this point, no one can help you. Only God can help you. He said, okay, where is he? Uh, where is God? And the mother said, well, um, I heard he's in the forest. All right. And he was going to the forest, five years old, 
going to the forest. And nothing in the world was going to stop him because he was a Kshatriya. And he was very determined. In this way, he went to that forest. And he sat there uh, in meditation, waiting for the Supreme Lord to appear. The Supreme Lord did not appear, but his representative, Narada Muni, appeared. And Narada instructed Dhruva to chant the mantra, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, to also perform Astanga Yoga. And that means he was doing Yama Niyama and Pranayama and all those things. Uh, and, uh, and then he also taught him how to make a deity of clay. Uh, maybe the deity was not as beautiful as the deity here, but, you know, Dhruva himself made a form of clay, and that also works. And so he was worshipping that form of clay, and he was doing pranayam, drilling the respiration. He became quite advanced in this uh, pranayam. At one point, he was uh, reaching the stage of kumbhaka, and Kumbhaka is a stage where the ingoing breath and the outgoing breath is in an equilibrium. And at that stage, one can stop breathing. And uh, there are stories of yogis who are going in a, uh, three weeks under the ground in a box and come out alive, right? Because they are in Kumbhaka. Prabhupada says, yes, yogis can do. And frogs can also do. <laughs> yes, frogs can also do this. One sec, this is today the mark is going down and then I also go down. Uh, the kumbhaka then uh, is that state of, of breathlessness. As Dhruva was in that state of breathlessness, suddenly the whole universe could not breathe. This was a problem, certainly. So even the demigods, they experienced it and uh, uh, complained to Vayu, said, what's going on here? But Vayu says, yeah, there's nothing I can do. Uh, this is beyond, Vayu is the wind god who controls air. But even he could not solve the problem. Then the Supreme Personality of Godhead appeared before Dhruva, and Dhruva became greatly blessed. Dhruva, who had approached, who had performed his austerity because he wanted a kingdom greater than his grandfather, now, uh, now that he saw the Supreme Lord, did not desire it anymore. Because now he had got something that was better, something that was greater. He was free from that desire. Now he had only the desire to serve the Supreme Lord. Uh, and Dhruva said, I desired broken pieces of glass, but you gave me diamonds. Mm. So this kind of devotee we find in Dhruva, and therefore it's not surprising that Dhruva, when the Ganga actually descends, uh, that he takes the water on his head and that this water on his head causes tears to flow from his eyes in ecstasy. Uh, 
deeply emotional. In other words, his devotion is not just devotion uh, out of duty, uh, just as we are bowing down, here's the temple, here's the deity, the deity is the Supreme Lord, so we are supposed to bow down, then we bow down. No, Dhruva was doing so out of love. Uh, Dhruva had deep love, and because of his deep love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead, tears were flowing from his eyes when he was thinking, how merciful is the Supreme Lord? Like this, I stay straight. How merciful is the Supreme Lord? Yes, that Truva was deeply thinking about. And just see, just see, he did the, in, the, the amazing, unexpected. He just came, performed his pastime, and came as a dwarf, and next moment he becomes a giant, and in two steps crosses the whole universe, and cracks the shell of the universe, and now, and then the water washes his feet. And everyone knows that the water that has washed the feet of the Lord, or the feet of the Lord's devotee, that that is very powerful. That is very powerful, very concentrated mercy. Uh, yes. Uh. So in this way, Dhruva was just thinking. And then that water came straight for his planet. Straight. Uh, and so here comes the, the water from the feet of the Lord, and there it goes to his planet. And Dhruva knew, it is for me. Right? He remembered me. How kind is the Lord that he remembered me. Ah, he cares about me. It's not only one-way love. It's not only I love God and I love him to death and I love him and I love him and I love him forever and I'm loving and I'm loving too much. Love needs reciprocation to be nourished. Uh, love needs nourishment. So Dhruva's love got nourishment. There was reciprocation. Dhruva found that uh, the Lord had sent him some mercy. So, sorry, now stretch the leg. The Lord had sent him some mercy. So in this way, Dhruva uh, was, uh, was, had really purchased the Lord. By his chanting, by his worship, not only his worship in the forest, but his continuous worship. Uh, because surrender is never a one-time thing. It's not that we come to a point where we hear transcendental knowledge, and then gradually, uh, gradually, uh, our ignorance is gone. Uh, the Acharyas explain that all living beings in this world are born in ignorance, in avidya. Uh, that's why we have to go to school, uh, because we, uh, we have to learn so many things, even before school. Uh, it's like, uh, I, I still I remember that close to our house there was a big pond, and it was filled with 
water lilies and totally covered in green leaves. So I thought it was land. I was three years old and I thought it was land. But it wasn't. <laughs> I found out. <laughs> I learned something. I almost drowned. I remember that. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, yes. I, I, I remember it. Not all land, not all that looks like land is land. <laughs> hmm. I still remember that, you know. Uh, so we learn our lessons. So, avidya, a uh, child doesn't know anything, needs to be constantly protected, constantly uh, watched, because, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. I also thought that I could cross the Great Canyon by hanging on the washing line. And I was sort of hanging on the washing line and crawling, and then it crashed. It broke, of course. And, but I didn't know that that could happen, uh, because I didn't know the laws of nature yet. But I learned them. Yeah. So we are in avidya. Uh, this avidya, this ignorance is deeply there. And it is said, Fifth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam is speaking about avidya. And it is basically explaining what is ignorance. And that avidya is due to a knot in the heart, it is said. A knot in the heart that begins, uh, a man and a woman are uniting, and then there is, is a house, there is land, there are children, there is wealth, there is social position, and all this creates the bodily identification. And we take birth, and we are, from birth, we are educated in a bodily uh, bodily education. And your parents tell you, you know, you are German, or you they tell you what you are. You are German, or you are Dutch, and therefore, you know, you have to behave German, yes? Or you have to behave Dutch. That's how it is, right? You have to behave, you know, Swiss. Uh, or Slovenian, or Croatian, or whatever else, you know wherever else you're from, Brazil, <laughs> um, Copacabana. <laughs> yeah, so, and then we are meant to, uh, to behave like that. Uh, like, I'm from the north of the country, and then that's Protestant, and in the south is Catholic, and then, so, Catholics, they celebrate Carnival, but the Protestants don't, you know. And then, so I once went to Carnival, and I came there at 10 in the morning, and all the people were totally drunk, and they were, like, dancing around in the, in the cafe. I looked at it, right, with my northern eyes, and thought, I can't relate to this. <laughs> Turned around, got in the car, and drove away, you know. I was like, Carnival... 
in my, <laughs> went over my head, you know. So, in other words, we are brought up in a certain way, and it becomes part of us. Um, anthropologists say man is suspended between nature and culture, and that is the situation. We are suspended between nature and culture. And, uh, and the, the culture becomes like a second nature, and it's almost, it's difficult to uh, separate the two. Very difficult. Oh. So here we are, conditioned, conditioned in the bodily concept of life. And that causes our ignorance, ignorance of who we really are. Uh, that we really are eternal spirit souls and in an eternal relationship with the Supreme Lord. Um, that doesn't mean that we always walk with our heads in the clouds. It also means we are on earth. We're also on the ground at the same time because it's not that it's only spiritual above the, the clouds, right? Oh, yes, above the clouds, it's really spiritual. No, below the clouds, it's also spiritual. On the ground, it's just as the ground is also from spiritual origin. Uh, everything is spiritual in origin. So gradually, so therefore, it doesn't mean that spirituality automatically means that one is sort of a, a very otherworldly person. Who's, who's sort of like totally impractical and living in some sort of uh, cloud. You know, I'm not speaking about that cloud, but it does inspire me a little to speak about clouds. Um, yes, no, it's not like that. Um, we can see in Srila Prabhupada that he was the most exalted and that he was able to, uh, to practically see the spiritual world with his own eyes, and simultaneously was completely turned on when it came to life on earth. Right? He was with it. He was totally um, with the times, with the people, wherever he was. And he had no problem to connect with the situation. Uh, he came to New York, and he totally connected with the, with the hippies who were like, uh, 50 years younger, who were uh, from a totally different culture, but Prabhupada had no problem with that because he didn't feel like uh, these people are from a totally different world than I am. No, you can see they're, they're human. They're, exact, they're as human as I am. Prabhupada never stopped being human. Right? Yes, he was superhuman, he was transcendental, he was spiritual, he was full of love of God, like Dhruva. He also was crying tears sometimes, and a tear, like a diamond, appeared in the corner of his eye, and glittered there, and everyone said, did you see that diamond? Everyone saw the diamond. Yes, Prabhupada was full of love for Krishna, and therefore, he could always think of Krishna. And yet Prabhupada could fully understand people who were not, right? who were not at all like that. 
He could fully understand what was driving them. He could see who was controlled by pride. He could see who was controlled by fear. He could see who was controlled by lusty desires. He could see who was controlled by anger. He could see all these tendencies in people. Um, he could see. Um, because he was not disconnected. He saw everything as spiritual. Um, still, although everything has a spiritual origin, uh, and although the material energy has a spiritual origin, um, when there is direct energy descending from the spiritual realm into this world, that carries a special potency. And that potency is what we uh, are looking at when we're looking at the Ganges descending. And that uh, was... Uh, Dhruva knew that by taking the Ganga on his head that he was getting purified. Dhruva, and he... But he didn't just think, oh yes, now I'm getting purified from uh, all my bad karma and this and that. No, Dhruva was thinking about love. Like I said before, he was thinking the Lord thought of me. So he had a higher uh, meditation. I was many times in India and I... Uh, for example, in Benares, where there are many, many temples on the banks of the Ganga, and many, many steps are leading to the Ganga. And everywhere people are bathing in the Ganga, at least for like seven kilometers long, uh, people are just there on the banks of the Ganga, bathing in the Ganga. Um, but most are doing so to get free from some karma. Right. That's the thing. Right. They know you take your bath in this, in this Ganga, you'll get purified from karma. But that's only to get free from the negative. Um, life is, is, is not just about getting free from problems. Life is not just about getting free from disease. Although, you know, like now it is, these are the corona days, and once the corona days will be over, all of us will be like, yay! <laughs> we'll be all like, uh, for sure, we're jumping around, having a real party, right? Phew, God, it's over, finally. So, in this way, uh, but that will, won't last very long, you know? I mean, that's okay for a, for a week, you know? A week, yeah, bye-bye, corona. <laughs> you know, well, we can have some fun for a week like that. But then, uh, then say, no, well, it's not enough. You can't be happy for the rest of your life because there's no more corona. Right? It's not like that. That lasts for a week. No, we need something positive in our life. Something positive that brings happiness. So, therefore, Dhruva was looking at the positive. He was looking at 
the positive exchange with the Supreme Lord. That's where he was getting his inspiration, not just, okay, all my karma is washed away. Uh, no, no, Juva was seeing, ah, the love, the Lord has shown his love for me. That awakens more love in my heart in this way. So we see, um, that is devotee. Um, it is said a devotee therefore comes to the point that the devotee has no other desire than to serve the Supreme Lord. And as the devotee is just serving the Lord, we may offer him a reward for his service. He says, no, no, I don't need anything. I am totally satisfied to just serve the Lord. I don't want any reward. But the devotee does want one thing. Although he's not asking anything in return for his service. Deep in his heart, he does want one thing. He wants to see a little glimmer of recognition in the eyes of the Lord for that service. He wants that reciprocation. He wants Krishna to reveal himself and Krishna to, and to, and to be pleased with that service. That is the deep desire in the heart. And in the spiritual world, that's what's going on. Everyone is trying to attract Krishna. It said, devotional service is Sri Krishna Akarsani. It attracts Krishna. And everyone is trying to attract Krishna by that service. Hmm. So yes, this is the real thing. We are chanting to attract Krishna. We are worshipping to attract Krishna. So that he may show himself is one thing, but that he may actually uh, uh, show his love for us. That's that's what we're trying to attain. Anyway, that's a bit exalted. At this stage, we're still at the stage where just bathing in the Ganga to get rid of some karma is very necessary because we've got too much, too much karma. Yes, so much. And it is not good, this karma. No, we don't want. Ah. <laughs> It is, we want only good karma. We don't want the bad karma because the bad karma gives you trouble. Uh, who wants? Yes, so like this. Mm. But the Bhagavatam is showing us there is more than that. You know, there is more than being rewarded by God for good behavior. There is more. There is pure love. And that is the story of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So Bhagavatam tells us many stories. Today I spoke about two stories, Vamanadev story and the story of Dhruva, two separate stories. The Bhagavatam has so many stories, but in all those stories there is one story underneath, and that is the story about the love that the Lord has for his devotees and that the devotees have for the Supreme Lord. And that is the full story of the Bhagavatam. And that's the secret of life. Don't tell.
<laughs> Any questions? Any comments? Yes. Regarding this topic, Sachinatana Swami was speaking that that we should also like we give to the Lord like good things, but also we need to how to say give also these bad things like. We have to give up our bad qualities. Offer them. To also like offer these bad things, like faults that we have. And can you tell something about this? Because sometimes we are full of faults. It's it's always tough when someone else speaks. And you and you're asking the question then to the the next speaker. Should have asked it to Satchinandan Swami. I'm sure he would have told you <laughs> what he meant. Now I have to guess. I can guess. Okay. <laughs> then I will be quiet. <laughs> like for example, we have many faults. I have many faults, like pride, lust, etc. And then sometimes, how to also come in front of Guru, how to come in front of Radha Madam with all these faults and how to, uh, yeah, because we are ashamed of this and we want to hide this and like always showing good lights. So how to, yeah, also say, okay. yeah, I have this. Is that how he meant it, Satchinanda Maharaj? Is that how he explained it? Or is that how you explained it? Now I'm trying to understand, like, because you said Satyananda Maharaj, no? Yes, he said like that. He said like that. That's good enough. Stop. <laughs> Not if you if you if you give a whole lecture, I can't remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. Um, yes, we we honesty, honesty. Um, there is something called humility. Right? And that we go before the Lord uh, in a humble state of mind. And humility is connected to honesty. Because that we are ready to admit who we really are. Not pretending, not holding up a big show, but really uh, showing our shortcomings also. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we're also trying to overcome our shortcomings. And uh, uh, we cannot just consciously act according to uh, faults and say, well, you know, Krishna, you have to take me the way I am. No, we're trying to act in a saintly way, but then we fall short. And then we come before the Lord and say, my Lord, I'm falling short. I'm full of faults. But... Still, I'm trying, so please bestow your mercy upon me. That's the prayer. Oh, but, it, but we have to try and behave saintly, not just like, 
uh, yeah, well, you know, it's just the way I am, you know. <laughs> okay. Madamahan, you know, that's the way I am. <laughs> no. We also have to try and, 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 and improve. But it's very difficult, you know, like Yudhisthira Maharaj is described in the Bhagavatam, another story in the Bhagavatam of a great personality. And it said Yudhisthira Maharaj, he had never spoken a lie in his life, and therefore he had a chariot, and the wheels would not touch the ground. Yes. Now, uh, I don't know. My wheels are touching the ground of, of my <laughs> chariot out there. <laughs> So what can you conclude from that, you know? I think so. The wheels speak <laughs> very clearly right? what to do. So uh, I can't avoid it, you know? Every once in a while, although uh, I'm trying, and not always, I'm trying not to lie, but it just uh, it slips out, right? So what to do? So then we go before Krishna and say, Krishna, here I am, you know, and you know very well, I don't have to tell you, you know my faults, I'm trying to check them, but I'm not always successful, but please accept me anyway, like that. That's the spirit. All right? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, is, <laughs> is this really like enough? Because like It's really enough. <laughs> it really is it really is because the process of devotional service will automatically purify us we're not the doers we're not going to do it I'm going to change myself I'm really going to change myself but I'm so bad I have to change I have to try harder I'm going to try harder um, is there a wall I can hit my head against oh, yes, that's good oh that's not hard enough is there a harder wall yes it's like I'm going to try and really, and I would take my bath out there in that bach, you know, in that water, but it's not cold enough. <laughs> yes. So, you know, oh. then we go back to the old thing, take the court and beat yourself on the back and all these things. Uh, no, no, no. We do the best we can, but for real. And then... We will be purified in the process of of devotional service. Now I give the mic to your neighbor. <laughs> Already gave. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you very much for your class. Um, actually, I do have to ask you to answer for free. Yeah. Sprich mal in die Mikro auch noch. <laughs> Ich dachte, dass ich das war. Ich dachte, dass nur ich das, das Krishna das mit mir macht, aber er macht es mit dir auch. <lacht> Okay. Und, 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 und
Am Grenze, ja. ja. Ich verstehe. Okay, uh, basically it's about uh, being purified by Krishna through uh, different various difficulties and so on, karma, whatever. But these tests that she is getting are especially heavy, especially heavy. And uh, so heavy that it brings, uh, it, it comes to the limit practically and 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 and, and what what does krishna want i have a story for you and that is this one day um we when we were small we thought of building a life and as we thought of building a life it was just like building a house and oh yes, we designed it nicely and you know, and there it was, my life. You know, pictures we have of it also and it's everywhere. We even have a Facebook page where it is nicely shown. Our life, my house that I have built. It said, but then when you when we became involved in Krishna consciousness, then Krishna he began to make changes in that house. Yes. Now that was to be expected. We were ready for it. You know, we'd read that in the books. You get some purification. So Krishna is going to make some, some changes in the house. But lately, no, but lately what he's doing, I mean, it is too much. I mean, he is like breaking the whole house. What is this? What is this? And he's supposed to, you know, Okay, some modifications, but now he's breaking the whole house. Ah, I heard, I heard that he's not just modifying it a little bit so that I can live in there. Lately, I heard he's breaking the whole house and changing the whole house so that he can live in there. So Krishna, he is upsetting our, our plans, our, everything we have arranged, um, because he wants to live in our life. And yes, so many lifetimes in this world, so many material attachments, sometimes it takes strong medicine. But we have to be brave, we have to have courage. And we get this courage together, see? Together we get strength. Not alone, we're not alone. Because I also thought that I was the one that got the, especially the heavy part of life. I could tell you, privately maybe, I mean, I don't want it all over Facebook, but I could, you know, tell you, give you a list of some of the things that happened in my life. I mean, some people, when they hear it, they go, oh my God, no, <laughs> really, oh, yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> and then I look at other people and everything seems to like, look at like Gorhari, you know? Looks like his life is really nice and really smooth and he gets everything, 
you know, he looks nice, doesn't he? And it looks like everything has always been nice for him, you know? That's how it looks, right? Yeah, sometimes I'm looking at everything like, you know, look at him, you know? <laughs> yeah, but in my case, no, it's not like that, you know? You don't have to think. There's an Italian story. You want to hear the Italian story also? Yes. So one day, in the village, uh, the people, they are coming to the mayor, you know, and they are complaining to the mayor about all the things, all the problems in the life, you know, such a big problems, right? Then the mayor said, all right, all right, all right, you bring your problems and we put them in the town hall, you know. So everyone brought their problems to the town hall and had a big exhibition, yes. And then everyone was looking and looking at, oh, look at that one. Oh, 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 that one. So everyone was enjoying looking at all these problems. And it was a really popular exhibition. And then, you know, in the evening, the major, everyone wanted to go. They spent the whole day there. Uh, and then in the evening, everyone was ready to go. And then the mayor said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do you think you're going? Mm -mm -mm -mm. You're leaving the whole townhouse full of these problems. No, no, no. Everyone has to take one problem as you leave from it, and you choose. So then everyone had a second look at all the problems. It's like, hmm, take this one, hmm, take that one, hmm. And in the end, everyone left with their own problem. Because <laughs> better a problem you know than, you know, some unknown problem. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we have to be brave. And together we'll do it. Together. That's why we need a community, you know. Community gives us and we need love and trust in the community. We need real relationships in the community so we can open our heart. Uh, because when we can open our heart, then we can actually, uh, you know, get some relief. And, and, all right, then we can deal with it all and say yes. But yeah. And, uh, and some people, you know, they get it so heavy and they have so much courage. I have one lady in Australia. She's originally from Mauritius. And uh, she uh, and her husband were supposed to become my disciples. And it was sort of close to initiation time. And then um, she got some... Uh, she got what you call encephalitis. You know, an, an infection of the brain. And uh, and it was, it was swelling and this, that, and the doctors decided to operate. Unfortunately, the operation went wrong. And the next time I saw her, she was in a hospital, propped up in pillows, and sitting like that, and nothing moved. No expression, the eyes didn't move, no blinking. And uh, But I went there to visit, and... I spoke some words, and uh, later 
it, it came out that she was locked in. You know, you hear these stories, people are locked in their bodies and they cannot do anything, but she could hear everything, she could see everything, but she could not communicate, not at all. It took many years and now, and slowly, now she is like a paraplegic in a, in a special wheelchair, you know, support here, support there, everywhere. And she can point at things on an iPad, right? And sort of make some sounds that her husband can understand. He's the caretaker, I can't, you know, but, uh, yeah. But she's positive. She's Krishna conscious. She stayed a devotee. And she's still a devotee. And she's like, you know. And she and then and then recently she could she can start typing. Right? And suddenly she starts sending me messages, you know? And she's telling me things that she's thinking, and it's amazing because, you know, she's just seeing the mercy of Krishna and she's like that's when I feel humbled and when I say, my problems, it's nothing. Nothing. Because at least I can still talk. <laughs> you know, and do many other things. So, it's all relative. Yeah, other questions? You gave a picture about uh, being in class and staying in the bed. And uh, I'm all the time with you and wondering, we, ha we should focus on Krishna with the sword and scriptures, whatever, and of course I'm here, but then also I have the feeling of, oh my God, I'm going to class, I'm not anymore at work. So I'm really hesitating to fully go there. But on the other hand, when I watch and work, then of course I'm entitled to the all that is here. So could you elaborate how is there like a healthy balance or how to deal with this mm. mental state but also not to be in the Yeah. Um many of us are Krishna conscious. You know, we know about Krishna and accept Krishna as the Supreme Lord, but many of us are not balanced, just by our karma, by our natures. And when the astrologer would look at our chart, you know, he could, he could see, oh, well, there's an imbalance between this planet and that planet, and there's a fight between two planets, and there's like, you know, that planet is in the wrong house, you know, planets rotate around, and they are in a particular segment, 12 segments in a 360-degree uh, circle, and the planets go around, and some they are at home, and some they're not at home. So we all, to an extent, have our individual makeup, and we all are facing certain imbalances. And uh, we have to uh, work with them. Yeah, we go to work with them. We're trying to balance where we are imbalanced, you know. Some people have a hot temper and, okay, count to ten, you know, and stuff like this. Uh, learn to forgive. 
Um, and uh, it may never be perfect, this life. Okay? It also doesn't have to be to go back to Godhead. Right? Somehow or other, you make the best of it. Right? Like everybody else, we try to be balanced and balance ourselves. Yesterday, we also spoke about balance and said balance is always in motion. Balance is liking, like riding a bicycle. Or as an example of the juggler. And the juggler has three balls. Right? And the juggler is always balancing different balls. And there's always a ball that is that is that he's throwing. There's a ball that is in the sky, and there's a ball that he's catching. You know. So it's like that. So if balance means sometimes give your attention to one thing, that means the one you're throwing, right? Another one you have to catch. Yeah. Um, so we all need to, to balance. And uh, with time, we understand ourselves better, we understand life better. So as we're maturing, maybe we learn a little bit more how to balance. As we're getting old, we're also forced to be more balanced. When you're young, eh, you know what I mean? Who cares? Do something wild. It's like... When you're old, you do something wild, and the next day it's like, oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, over time, the need to be balanced becomes stronger, and will become, and and will, and with maturity, will learn better. Mode of goodness is the mode of balance. Mode of passion is the mode of throwing off the balance. Mode of ignorance is the mode of being, to being off balance. So try and bring more goodness in our life. Prabhupada said, don't try to be in the mode of goodness, try to associate with the mode of goodness. In one particular, on one occasion. So let's associate with the mode of goodness. That that helps. Yes. Next. Yeah, I'm not completely sure if I got this point right, but in the beginning of the verse of the purport, it says that uh, Guru Maharaj was in transcendental anxiety. So usually, the spiritual person should be free from anxiety and be completely happy and peaceful. I don't see it, uh, but I saw it in the in the word for word. I saw something about anxiety. Um, anyway, transcendental anxiety. Uh, there is such a thing. There is such a thing. Uh, just like having a child, you know, and then your child is growing up and is getting more independent and starts to do crazy things and, uh, you know, and you're getting more and more worried as a parent, right? And uh, you're in anxiety, but it's not that you are anxiety-driven. You're driven by love, and the love 
is also causing anxiety. So Dhruva Maharaj, transcendental anxiety is that is anxiety for the Lord. Yes, let's say maintaining this temple. There's anxiety. How are we going to pay for these cables? You know that oh, these guys are coming here every day. Cost a lot of money. How, where are we going to get this money, etc.? Income is down. No visitors. No this that anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Right. Uh, so anxiety is there also in spiritual life as we are serving Krishna. And we're trying to do the best we can for him. But that anxiety is not a depressing anxiety. It is an anxiety that brings, uh, brings bliss in the end. Because it's the anxiety that comes from trying hard. And then, you know, when we went through the austerity, we come out at the other side. May not be perfect, but even 80% is not bad, actually, looking at it. So... Through the but while we're doing it, yes, there may be anxiety. That's, but it's not depressing anxiety. Material anxiety is depressing. I'm in anxiety, and there is no. So how do I get out of here? Go to the doctor. He has some pills for you. No, no, this is totally different. But this is. Why is the anxiety there in the material world? Because in the material world, we still have to practice. We're practicing devotional service. So Krishna is giving us some, some stress to help us practice, yeah, to push us. Yeah, so it's still there. It says in, the, in, in Vaikuntha, there are palaces and marble floors, and the ladies are sweeping the, the, the floors. But there's no dust. If here there was no dust, we would never sweep. They <laughs> said, forget it. Huh? But they sweep out of love. So at this stage, uh, there is some anxiety in this world. Some circumstances that push us, that make us struggle. Uh, and the struggle makes us strong. Therefore, we must struggle. If there was no struggle, they become like jellyfish, you know, they have no bone, no spine. We have to struggle to become strong. Like that. Thank you, thank you. See the Prabhupada Kijai.